Amen. Well, it's good to see you today, and you know, we're going to talk about wisdom. And wisdom is one of those things that we think we have, and then we find out, oh my gosh, I fell so short of that. Heard a story about a, uh, a pastor who died and a New York taxicab driver, and they both appeared at the pearly gates at exactly the same time. And the taxicab driver was in front, and the pastor was standing behind him. And uh, St. Peter was there. He was checking the roll to see who could get in. And he looked at the cab driver, and he had a pair of sunglasses on and a kind of a flowered shirt, some blue jeans. And he looked at him. He said, what's your name? And gave him his name. He looked. Yes, sure enough, you're on there. And so he handed him a silk robe and a golden staff. And he went in, and he said, welcome to heaven. The pastor was taking all of this in. And he said, what is your name? And he gave him his name. And he looked. He said, yes, you're on the list. And he handed him kind of a run-down, ugly-looking robe and a wooden stick. And he said, I don't understand. The cab driver got a silk robe and a golden staff. Why did I get a plain robe and a wooden staff? He said, well, you see, up here in heaven, we work on results. He said, when you preached, everybody fell asleep. But when he drove, everybody prayed. Well, we hope you're going to pray today. We hope we'll keep you awake and keep things going here. You know, uh, the other night I, I had one of those moments where God just kind of woke me up and began to speak to me on the subject of wisdom. And what is wisdom and how do we obtain it? And this phrase just kept coming back and back to me. Wisdom says... Proverbs says that wisdom cries in the street. It shouts on every corner. I want you to know right now, wisdom is shouting at you. But you have to have ears to hear what wisdom has to say. In the book of Proverbs, let me just give you a couple of verses before we jump into our text today. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, Wisdom calls out loud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, He stores up sound wisdom. Think about that. God says, I'm storing it up. I'm, I'm putting it in the place where you can get it. It's sound. It's, it's available to you. He says, I store up sound wisdom for the upright, and he is a shield for those who walk in integrity. We understand that wisdom is more than a thought or the accumulation of knowledge or understanding. Wisdom is a person. Wisdom is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there with God, the Bible says, at creation. He was at his right hand, the scripture says, of wisdom. Wisdom says, and when wisdom comes, it, I really believe it comes on two different levels. And level one is when wisdom comes and wisdom guides you in terms of action for the day. If you would get up every morning and you would say something like this, wisdom, speak to me. What do I need to know to do today? And just listen. He will give you action items for the day. But I think there's even a, a greater level that we can put into principle, and that's level two, wisdom. It is principles to live by. That when you begin to get from God the principles by which you order your life, they become the covering for the daily level one actions you're going to do. So let me show you what God gave me just the other day 
by way of download on level two, wisdom. The first one is this. Honor, honor comes from the Lord. Do not seek it or expect it from men. Now we are to honor one another. We are to give respect where respect is due. But when you live your life as though you have to expect it from someone or you're seeking it out, you've missed wisdom altogether. Wisdom, when, when it comes, it's going to come. Honor, when it comes, it's going to come from God. Here's the second thing God showed me. We rise or fall on the level of our confession. What is coming out of your mouth? What are you saying and what are you speaking? It will become a reality to you. The words of your mouth are either life or they're death. The things that you say are going to become your reality. If you begin to speak those negative words of doubt, you can expect doubt to rise up in your heart. If you expect confident words of faith, you can expect faith to rise up in your heart. When you begin to see things as God sees things, you're going to have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God. You're going to begin to order your life totally different because you're looking from a divine perspective instead of a human perspective. You see, here's the third thing God showed me. We uh, keep the doors of favor open. If you feel like the door of of favor is just barely open, make sure you do everything to keep it open and to broaden that door altogether. When you keep the doors of favor open, you do it by a good confession. You do it by walking uprightly and with integrity before God. And so when you say, God, I've got some favor in my life now, and this is my wife and I pray this every day, God, would you give us tenfold the favor we've had in the previous day? Would you open up more favor to us? Would you speak to us in fresh and new ways that we haven't heard before? Would you allow wisdom to really guide you into life? And here's the fourth thing that God downloaded on me. And we were in Europe, and, you know, if you've ever been to Europe, you know they have really big doors. People in Europe years ago were tall, very tall people, eight or ten feet tall at least because the doors are that big. But am I walking down these little alleyways, you know, these beautiful uh, uh, just kind of pathways that you find off the beat, and there's always a big door. But you know what I noticed? They all have the same size lock. I want you to know, and this is what God showed me, small keys unlock big doors. You see, God can give you a key this morning. He's going to speak to you about something, and he's going to say, I want you to quit going to the small door. I want you to go to the big door. I want you to see what I can do with just a small key. You don't have to have all the knowledge that you're going to one day have in order to open a big door. You don't have to be the brightest, the smartest, the most spiritual to open a great big door. You just have to trust me. Years ago when we were in seminary and we were pastoring a small church in Baton Rouge. And we were in seminary, we had two little babies, and our monthly salary was $450. 
Now you say, yeah, but that was a long time ago. That was when the earth was cooling and, you know, money went a long way back in those days. Well, let me tell you something. The guy that was 20 years before me made $300 a month. So they had gone up $150 in 20 years. Now, I don't know, to this day, I don't know how in the world we lived on $450 a month. You might say, well, that's what I'm living on today, and that's going pretty thin. But let me tell you, I don't know how we did it. But I remember this prayer, God, if I could just get a $50 a month raise, we would be doing so well. We could put more gas in our car. We could buy another diaper or two. I mean, $50. Well, we prayed and God did exceedingly abundantly above all we asked or could think. And I got a $62 a month raise. Now, I was glad to get it, but it went pretty quick. And then I had this thought, what if I'd have prayed for a $100 raise? What if I'd have prayed for a $1,000 raise? What if I would have opened a bigger door by my prayer and not limited what God did? Because God really did what he said, what I asked him to do. And he did a little bit more. But what if I would have said, God, I need to be in a place where you are going to provide for me in an amazing way so that my family is well taken care of? What if I'd have done that instead of praying the little prayer? Do you know it's just as easy to pray a big prayer as a little prayer? In fact, do you know that God is more honored when you pray a big prayer than a little prayer? Sometimes we approach God with a poverty spirit. We think God doesn't really want to do anything for us. He's a selfish God and he's holding back on us and he's not really releasing all the the things of heaven. And yet God is saying, no, I want to open up heaven. I want to bring the windows of heaven open to you. Would you just trust me in that thing? Now, I want to take you to King Solomon and show you his journey of wisdom. In 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says that he was at Gibeon. And there at Gibeon, the Lord appeared unto Solomon in a dream by night. You ever had one of those dreams where you thought, was that God or was that just me? Well, he had a dream and God said this to him, ask, what shall I give you? What if God said that to you right now? In fact, maybe the Spirit of God is saying that to you right now. What do you want? What can I do for you? What can I give you that you don't have, that you need, that you desire, that will be for my glory? What is it you desire? And you see, sometimes we have uncommon dreams. Uncommon dreams are those ones that are different than other dreams. Uncommon dreams will energize you. You'll wake up from an uncommon dream and you'll say, wait a minute, that was of God. Wait a minute, that's so big, that's so, so vast. What is God saying and what is God doing? Sometimes we'll have an uncommon dream and those uncommon dreams will stretch us. We'll say, if God doesn't do this, it can't get done. What is an uncommon dream you'd be praying right now and saying, God, if you could do that, what would it be? If you could see God's hand in something, what would it be? If you could give something to God and say, God, this is what I want to see you do, and it's way beyond what I could ever imagine you would do, what would it be that God would do? But let me show you something about uncommon dreams. Uncommon dreams are birthed, they're not borrowed. You can't take my dream and make it your dream. You can't borrow someone else's dream and say, you know, that sounds like a great idea. I'd like to have that dream too. No, you see, they're birthed inside of you. Now, is there anything really stranger than another human being living in another human being? 
Now, when you put it that way, it makes the whole getting pregnant thing sound weird, doesn't it? I mean, think about it like there's a human in you. Did you know that? Right? And you kind of get a little freaked out when you think about it. But think about how that started. It started with a seed. And that seed was in exactly the right situation, exactly with that egg, to bring forth what? Life. And then there was a maturity of that seed, wasn't there? There was a time frame whereby that little baby was going to begin to grow. And then there comes a time where it becomes obvious and your dream will become obvious to you. When you trust God, you're going to see your dream start to become obvious. You're going to start to see a little bump in your spiritual life. You're going to say, what is that? And all of a sudden you're going to feel it move. You're going to say, wait a minute, something's moving inside of my spirit. Something's stirring in my heart right now. What is that? Oh, I remember that was that uncommon dream that I burst some time back. And all of a sudden it begins to grow and people say, hey, what's going on? Well, I've got an uncommon dream. I got something inside of me and it's got to come out sooner or later. Sometimes they come early and sometimes they're a little delayed. Have you ever noticed that? My mom only had one child and you, you understand why. You know me. But I was 10 pounds and a month late, and my mom said, that's it, done, right? Um, but you see, sometimes your, your, your dreams, they say, you know, I know this baby's coming today. And you know, then it's another month. That uncommon dream, sometimes you say, you know, I don't know when it's coming, but I believe it's coming. You see, that faith in that uncommon dream, that thing that God put on your heart, is the key to what God wants to do. We were praying the other day, and as I walked in, and you, you noticed that we have the coffee shop closed, and we're doing some remodeling, we're doing some expansion, we have to meet some standards for the city to, for the expansion in terms of the health department, and, and uh, God has given us favor all the way on that, and it's exciting to be able to, to have that in process right now, but it reminded me of not too long ago. Do you realize it was just a year and a half ago that we were in construction in this building? This building's not two years old. And I remember so well what happened. We were, we were in a situation where, and for some of you this will be common, but for some of you this will be fresh information. But we were in a season where uh, at the last minute, the loan that we thought we had, the private loan that we thought we had, went away. And we went into a 21-day fast, and we said, God, we're going to fast. We want to see your hand. We have an uncommon dream to buy a building when we've only been in a, a church for about 13 or 14 months. We didn't have $3 million. We didn't know where we were going to get $3 million. In fact, what we did was we just said, God, we're going to put it out there. We're going to trust you. And we signed a contract for a cash deal with only a $1 million in the bank. Now, I don't know how we got a $1 million in the first 13 months. I don't know how we saved it, I guess, because I'm Dutch and we're just cheap. <laughs> right? But somehow we got to that place, and then at the last minute, six weeks before we closed, the man pulled the loan and said, I can't loan you the money. And I started laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I was coming home from men's Bible study. I got an email. Didn't even get a phone call. Got an email. Well, I started laughing. I called my wife. She said, that's not funny. Called our board. They said, that's not funny. I said, it's hilarious. Only God would orchestrate something like this. And we went into a 21-day fast. Do you know if we had not had that loan pulled, we never would have done the 21-day fast. We'd have never seen the hand of God the way we saw the hand of God. 
We never would have. We prayed for three things. We prayed for a loan for two and a half million. We prayed for $200,000 in renovation money. And we prayed for all the permits to be pulled on the day that we got the, closed on the, on the loan. All three of those things. I'm eight days out. I don't have anything. I got nothing. Got no loan. Got no money. All I got is really a lot of intense prayers. Right? Long story short, get down to Wednesday. Got a call from the guy from Amarillo, Texas. Slowest talking man I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Called me Brother Phil. Brother Phil, moving along pretty good. I said, it's Wednesday. We're closing on Monday. Well, I got good news on Wednesday. We got approval from the junior loan committee. And I'm thinking, good grief. How many committees do they have down there? I said, is there a senior loan committee? They said, oh, yeah, there is. And we're gonna meet, they're going to meet tomorrow. And I said, you mean like Thursday tomorrow? Yeah. But I'm feeling pretty good about it. Well, you might be, but I'm dying. Right? So he calls me on Thursday. He said, I got some good news and some bad news. Don't you hate those? Let me ask you, how many of you want the bad news first? Raise your hand. How many of you like to have the good news first? How many of you won't raise your hand for any reason known to mankind, right? Said, I'm not doing that. You know, I I didn't pay for that. I didn't sign up for raising my hand. Anyway, so he said, I got some good news and bad news. I like to get the bad news over with, right? You with me on that one? All right, all of you that, you know, just stay in my camp, all right? I said, what's the bad news? He says, the bad news is we cannot close on Monday. I said, okay, tell me the good news then. The good news is we're going to close tomorrow. We're going to close early. And he said, we were looking at your loan for $2.5 million. We don't think that's enough money, so we're going to put another 200000 in it for you if that's okay. We were praying for 2.5, 200,000, and all the permits, and we put all the permits on Monday on the day that we should have closed on the loan, but we closed early. And you know what I found? I found the miracle of fasting and what God wanted to do when people would rally around a cause. So we were praying the other day, my wife and I, and as we prayed and we talked, we said, you know, what, what do we think God's doing here? And we just said, we just really feel like that we needed to add some staff to our church some seasoned pastors to our church. You know, we've, we've really kind of, just, we've kind of just made do. Our personnel budget is only about 30% of our total budget. You try to find a church anywhere that has that. We just began to pray. We said, God, would you just lead us some people? And who, what kind of people would those be? And what kind of skills would they have? And, and let me just show you what I believe God showed us. God showed us that, number one, we, were gonna, we needed to add a family pastor. We need to add a, a pastor who would minister directly to families and would integrate with a, our children's ministry director. And I really was kind of thinking, boy, that would be great. And then we wanted to add a children's ministry director in, in addition to that and, and, uh, and, and just full-time person can focus on that. And, and God said, that's not enough. When, wisdom, when I said wisdom speak, he says, I want you to hire two pastors. Now, I got good news for you. I'm not asking for a dime. Our budget will carry it. We've just been so cheap that we haven't done it. And God says, what are you doing? And when I began to read about Solomon and how God spoke to him in the wisdom, and he said, God, he said, I can't lead this great people. I can't lead this great people without wisdom. 
And God said, Phil, you're not going to be able to go to the next level without an infrastructure that's going to help you get there. And I realized that I could be the greatest hindrance to the growth that God wanted to do because I thought I could do it. And God just said, I just want you to walk humbly before me. I just want you to trust me. I'll bring the people in. But you've got to get out of the way and let me be God. Isn't that a great lesson for all of us? Just get out of the way and let God be God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and see what God can do. Amen? So we're really beginning. I'm going to, next Sunday, we're going to ask you to join us in a 21-day fast. We're going to fast for 21 days. And, and, you know, some of you are getting a little freaked out. You said, I can't even go without one meal. Well, that's all you may need to do is just one meal. You may want to fast all day. You may want to just fast from some technology or something else. But, but what happens is when you begin to fast, you say, I'm not going to not do that. And when I want to do that, that's when I'm going to pray. We're going to ask you to pray for that staff that God put on our heart. We're going to see if God will come through like he came through before. I kind of think he will. How about you? That's the kind of God that he is. Amen? Amen. And you know what you're going to also do? You're going to begin to, to say, you know, God, during this time and this fasting, I need to put some of my dreams in there. I need to put some of the things I'm trusting God. God, what would you like to do in my life? What could you do in my life? And I'm going to join into that corporate fast, but I want to have a fast. And I want to be a part of it as well. We saw so many miracles. We saw jobs come. We saw people healed. We saw crazy stuff happening from the hand of God. We want to see that happen. So we're launching into that, and we want you to be a part of it. Now, you know, for the sake of time, I've used up a lot of time here that I didn't know that I was going to use up. But anyway, in 1 Kings chapter 3, let me just quickly take you through what, uh, what Solomon says here, what God says as he speaks to him. He says, Solomon says in, in verse uh, 6, he said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David. And then look how he describes him. He said, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and uprightness of heart. If you know anything about David, you remember what David did? He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He arranged to have Uriah put on the front lines where he's surely going to get killed. And how can you say he walked in uprightness? How can you say he was a man after God's own heart? Because when God spoke about his sin, he responded. See, it's not about you being perfect and being sinless. It's how you're going to respond when the Spirit of God gets your attention. What are you going to say in that situation? And then he says this, you have continued this great kindness for him. Do you know God is a kind God? God is a kind God. God is a good God. The enemy wants you to believe he's not kind and he's not good. He is a kind and a good God. And then he says, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am, look at the humility, I am a little child. I don't know how to go in or to come out. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding. And the word understanding in the Hebrew means to hear. Do you hear what God has to say? Would you hear what God has to say, a hearing heart, to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Tuesday night, we start back with our school of ministry, and we're studying the heavenly man. We're calling it radical Christianity. It's about the persecuted church in, in China. 
And as I was reading that, I, I came across one of the quotes from Brother Yoon. He says this, It's not great men who change the world, but it's weak men in the hands of a great God. Who wants to be a great man when you could be in the hands of God? Who wants to power up when you can let God be your power? Who wants to take credit when God wants to, wants to give you the kingdom? You see, there are some essential qualities that were right there. You know what, you know what he recognized? He recognized that, that God, God somehow, a recognition of acceptance and mercy. God is a God of acceptance and mercy toward you, toward me. And he's willing to embrace us when we understand servanthood. You know, you can't have the mind of Christ until you become servant of all who was Jesus who was servant of all. Servanthood prepares you to understand and get the wisdom of God. He went on to say that the speech pleased the Lord in verse 10. Can you imagine hearing that from God? I liked your speech. I liked what you had to say. And God said to him, because you have asked for this thing, have not asked for long life for yourself, not asked for riches, not asked for the life of your enemy. I wonder if those are the three most common things God hears in prayer. God, I want to be rich. God, I want all my enemies to be miserable. And God, I want to live a long life. He said, you know, you didn't ask for those things. You could have. It's common, but you didn't ask for those things. You see, what happens is we live in this tension as human beings, we live in this tension between God's wisdom and man's wisdom. And what happens is we get on this course like this. And when we make good decisions, wisdom follows us and blessings follow us. But, you know, just like this has some ups and some downs, imagine this scene. We're doing this. And you get to the end of life, all right, and you do know the Lord at the end of life, but look what you've missed. I wonder what that is. What have you missed in the process? What did God want to do that he couldn't do because you didn't choose wisdom on the path? He said, because you didn't ask for all of these things, behold, I have done according to your word. He said, I'm going to answer your prayer. You ask for discernment. You ask for wisdom. I'm going to give you all of that. And I'm going to make you an understanding heart so that there will not be anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone arise after you. So he gave him something that he asked for. Isn't that good news? God wants to answer your prayer. Let's just say that together. God wants to answer your prayer. Now, I'm going to take in a little journey here because what happens we're going to see is he doesn't just stop there. He gives him riches and honor that he didn't ask for. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, this is going to be a scripture familiar to many of you, but let me just read it for you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where neither thieves break in and steal now I want to show you two truths about this number one you can deposit in heaven's account anytime right you could make that deposit this morning you could make that deposit next week but what about the withdrawal we commonly think, well, the withdrawal happens in heaven, right? When we get up to heaven, there's a counter, and, and this is a heavenly bank, and we just kind of draw that out. I want you to notice something interesting about this passage. Jesus never said we had to wait to get to heaven to withdraw from this account. You won't find it. 
In fact, you're going to see the principle is just the opposite. Because what happens is, the Bible says, when I honor God with my tithes and offerings, immediately what happens, he says, the windows of heaven are open and begin to flow. I deposit, then I can withdraw. I deposit, I withdraw. I can't withdraw on a bank account that's empty. So when you begin to lay up in heaven, you are immediately able to access all of the riches that God has for you here and now in this life. Now watch, let's go a little bit further. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 13 and 15. And I've also given you what you have not asked for. You ever had that? God says, I'm going to give you a little bit more. I'm going to give you something here. I'm going to give you both riches and honor so there's not be anyone among you among all the kings of your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. He said, now I'm going to make your life long. I'm going to give you riches, going to give you honor. I already gave you discernment, and I'm going to make your days long. And here's some principles. God gives you, God gives you what you don't ask for when you ask for the right thing. When you ask for the wrong thing, you delay all that God wants to give you that's good for you. Second one, the law of increase of God is based on the Word of God. Not on your circumstances, not on your vocation, not on your culture, or not on your location. It's based on God's Word. You see, God's Word's true everywhere. Isn't it interesting that Jews are able to prosper regardless of what culture they're in? Isn't that interesting? It doesn't matter if they're in the ghetto in Poland or they're down in the Upper East Side of New York, they're able to prosper. See, we tend to think that our circumstances, our location, our problems are all the problem. No, the problem is adherence to the Word of God. When we tap into God's principles and God's truth, God's wisdom, we begin to see what God's up to. Here's another thing. God's storehouses always has more blessing in store for you. There's always more. God says, I got a little bit more, got a little bit more, got a little bit more. Well, Solomon woke up from his dream. It indeed had been a dream, the Scripture says, And he came to Jerusalem. He stood before the Ark of the Covenant, which was a picture of the presence of Almighty God. He offered up burnt offerings, peace offerings. He made a feast of all of his servants. You know what the burnt offering was? It was for sin. And it had to be totally consumed. It had to be out of the picture completely. Do you know what? He said, I'm going to offer a burnt offering. And the burnt offering of God was about a renewed relationship with God. Do you know when you stand before the cross of Jesus, you stand before the wisdom of God? That is the wisdom of God. And when you stand there and you said, I believe, you tap into all of God's wisdom. And then it says he offered a peace offering. A peace offering was given for, in gratitude for those things you did not deserve, but God gave you anyway. Jesus is our peace. He gives you a peace that passes all understanding. And then he brought all of his servants together and he had a feast. He said, we're going to enjoy the presence of God. Oh, there's coming a feast. It's called a banquet table where we're going to sit before the Lord and He's going to anoint our heads with oil and fill our cups up to overflowing. He's going to be our God. He's going to see everything. And outside, all around us, you might see the enemies of God. He says, don't worry about those. They're all taken care of. In that new Jerusalem, it says we're going to stand before Him. His light will be our light. We will not need the sun or the moon or the stars for the glory of God will be our light. It says all the doors of the new Jerusalem are open and it says outside 
side are those who didn't believe. It's a picture of Psalm 23 in the eternal kingdom of God. Let me give you some life applications. Here's the first one. Wisdom is essential in your understanding of the future. If you don't have wisdom, you can't understand tomorrow. If you don't have wisdom, you can't understand today. Also, wisdom reveals the power of the cross. When you get wisdom, you say, now I understand the power of the cross to transform me, to change me. What would happen if you'd say something like this? God, I need your wisdom today. Would you reveal the wisdom of the cross and how it affects my life today? But wisdom, carefully watch this, must be acted on. If you don't act on wisdom, you're not going to see the benefits of it. God shows you something, do something with it. What's God showing you? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me right now. Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. And I want you to, I want you to do an exercise in wisdom with me. Heavenly Father, wisdom, you tell us, screams from the street corner. Wisdom is on every corner. It's loud. It's obvious. But we've become dull and deaf in many situations. But right now, we want wisdom to speak to everyone in this room. We want you to speak to every single person in this room. So here's what I want to ask you to pray. Wisdom. Speak to me right now. What is God's wisdom saying to you right now? His wisdom might be saying to you right now, you need to make some changes in some relationships. His wisdom might be saying to you right now, you need to change some things you're doing. His wisdom might be saying you need to exercise faith in places you haven't. He might be saying to you, you need to to really embrace these uncommon dreams that I've given you and quit laying them on the sidelines. I've been trying to bless you for months or years and you've not taken me serious. You've let treasures lay on the sidelines that I want to give you. Now just listen to him. Wisdom, speak to me right now. What does the wisdom of God say to you right now? I expect that some of you, maybe all of you, have heard something from God. It'll be a still, small voice. It'll be an urging, a gentle urging of God. How many of you feel like you heard God say something about wisdom? Would you just raise your hand? Just slip your hand up. Amen. Anyone else? God spoke to you. Got a little wisdom there. Amen. Amen. Now, steward it well. You know, the greatest wisdom known to man is the wisdom to find Christ as your Savior. To know Him in redemption. You know, finding Christ in redemption is not difficult. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer like this one with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to confess that I am a sinner, that I've fallen short of the glory of God, that I don't know the wisdom of the cross. But would you forgive me my sins right now, Jesus? Would you come into my heart? The Bible says that all who confess the Lord will be saved. Would you confess him right now? Would you say, save me, Lord Jesus, right now? Give me the gift of eternal life. If you've prayed that prayer, 
would you just thank him right now in your own words? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for coming into my heart, Jesus, right now. If that was your prayer this morning, would you just slip your hand up and say, I prayed that prayer, Pastor. Amen. Four or five of you over here, two or three of you here in the middle, over here on this other section. Amen. Six or seven of you. God bless you. More than 20 of you just this morning said, I prayed that prayer of salvation. You know, we want to guide you in this journey. We want you to really understand what it means to walk with God. We want you to come and see us right after this service. We want to talk to you and we want to share with you what that means. But we want you to walk in the wisdom of Almighty God all the days of your life. Let me bless you right now as we we go out of here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be glorious to you. May you know and understand the humility of walking before God that he might open up the windows of heaven for you. May he give you uncommon dreams at uncommon times that are going to make uncommon differences in the world. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he be gracious to you. May you influence the world for Jesus Christ in powerful and meaningful ways. And to this we give you glory, God. We give you honor. Amen and amen. Hey, guys, I hope to see you tonight at the festival. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to eat chili at 100-degree weather. Yeah, you got you got to figure this one out, right? But I uh, hope you have a great day in the Lord, and uh, we'd love to share with you more. If you've got time, want to hang around. Hey, God bless you. Have a good day.